The current podcast is sponsored by Highly Addictive. Highly Addictive is here for your music recording needs. If you need a space to record your vocals or instrumentals, contact Highly Addictive. Don't be shy to record your music. Become inspired by Highly Addictive. Contact them through their site at highlyaddictivellc.com or follow them on Instagram through Highly Addictive LLC. I hope you book them. The current podcast is sponsored by New Life Barber Lounge. New Life is not another barbershop. This is a place where you will find great energy and a friend in the New Life crew. This is a place all about the experience. They will take care of you and have you looking spectacular. Don't waste your time at any other place. Go right now and follow them on Instagram at New Life Barbers and get yourself looking spectacular. Welcome to the current podcast. Thank you for joining us on another episode tonight. This is your producer Byron. We got our co-producer Mauricio in the building. How are you, brother? Pretty good and yourself. Good man. Thanks for asking. And then we got our co-host Enzo in the building. Yo, how are you guys doing today? And we can't forget our other host, Manny. Hey, how's it going, how you guys? Doing, man? Very well, and then very well. We have a special guest tonight, everyone. Kim Shapira. How are you? I'm hey, Kim, so I'm so here thanks for having me guys no thank you for coming we appreciate you being here with us um from you know tell us a little bit about yourself i know that you've got a bachelor's degree in uh, nutrition you got your master's degree um also as well in metabolism um what made you you know want to decide to go down that journey Oh, man, that's a loaded question. How much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) It's always a loaded question because I'm trying to understand, you know, like how'd you go from, you know, starting with kinesiology, you know, and kind of going more in that exercise, you know, path and then decide, you know what? No, nutrition is where I want to go. You know, what's interesting. When I saw the list, I was like, she can help me gain weight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Enzo's always had the problem of being too skinny. Right. And I have the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, it's going to be well, a great podcast. I, I got a lot of questions. I can help everyone. Right. <laughs> That's my goal. Yeah. Um, I would say there isn't anyone I can't help. How about that? So we can just take turns. But um, a little bit of my background is I was a sick kid is how I would start the story. Right. And so I was on a journey to get healthy my whole life. And I picked a career that was going to make me healthy. So I spent a good time when I was 12 until I was 18, going in and out of the hospital, having multiple surgeries. And so what I came to learn is that we pick careers and spouses to master our triggers. Wow. And triggers form. Yep. Yep. So triggers form in the first seven years of our life. And then anytime we go through something traumatizing, like 9-11, COVID, or in my case, when I got sick. And... uh, I knew that food could make people healthy and I wanted to help people like people had helped me. And, um, it's interesting because when I would go to UCLA, like every Wednesday, my mom would say to me, like, don't cry. And again, I was 12. She would say, don't cry. We'll go shopping. after." And so I developed a fierce shopping addiction, right? People would say you shop too much. And I would say, no, no, I just like new things. So that was like your coping mechanism with, with leaving after you're like, I know I have something to look forward to after the doctor. Yes. Yes. Your escapism. I I, I can relate to that heavily. Mm. I have a shopping. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so, uh, 
I, I picked a career that could make people healthy and I, you know, hung my shingle and kind of like started my practice. I put people on diets and my first client was a therapist and she lost 30 pounds and I was like so impressed with myself. And then she said, you know what, I'm going to gain the weight back. And I thought, wait, that's like, that's like the opposite of what you should be doing. Why would you do that? And she said, my husband wants to have sex with me all the time. And I was molested as a child and I can't handle it. And I thought, Hmm, I'm not prepared at all for this career. And so I started seeing the parallels of my shopping and people's eating. And as I started healing myself, I started using this method to help people and change their relationship with food. And it's been 25 years. And wow, this is this is very impactful. You know, you know why I say why I'm kind of stunned is because I've been dealing with my own trauma with food. And I've been kind of like doing my own journey with. I got sober a year and a half ago off of pills. And after getting sober, I started questioning, like, why I did what I did, right? And then I I work in a barbershop. I'm a barber. So I have all these guys that they're always wondering, why do you eat the same thing every day? I don't really step away from what I do like or, you know what I'm saying? And then I started realizing that a lot of it, like, it's not, I don't want to throw, you know, my parents under the bus or anything. It's just... As a picky eater, and then them trying to deal with me sometimes was like, you're not going to get up until you finish your plate. Yeah. You know, and then everybody else got up and finished their plate, and I'm just still sitting there like, dang, bro. So then me as an adult now, I'm like, I don't run, I don't even try new foods because it's like, I'm going to be sitting here all day because I'm not yeah. going to even, I'm going to be picking at it. You know what I'm saying? And it's, and it's like, I've been really questioning you know that, and it's it's kind of amazing that you even said that. You know what? Yeah. Your trauma, your trauma is correlated to what you eat. You know, and yeah. and, and, and like I've been trying to like I'm 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 very um I'm very excited to to see the 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 journey of even myself, even with knowing you now that how you can help me um, break yeah. those those barriers and be like, okay, I could try this now, and it's just like, cause how did you do that? How did you break a barrier? What was something that you know? you figured out quickly that you're yeah. like, dang, okay, hold up. Yeah. You know what? I think, I mean, you have a very interesting journey. So I, like, we can just like talk about you for a second. Yeah, let's like, go. You, let's go. I'll, I'll be the beginning pig. <laughs> yeah. When you think about it, um, you know, there's some anxiety, underlying anxiety. And so anytime and labeling, let's just start with the labeling. So I have six rules. I'm just going to say them really quickly. And um, I call them the Kim Shapira method. And the first rule is to eat when you're hungry. And the second rule is to eat what you love. The third rule is to eat without distractions. The fourth rule is to get 10,000 steps. The fifth rule is to drink eight cups of water. The sixth rule is to get seven hours of sleep. All of these rules make you well. But if we like just jump in to eat what you love, when a person is labeled then there's no room to change or grow. And so this idea to eat what you love sounds terrifying to somebody who might be picky. But like the question is, who are you without that label? What if we just started with that? Who are you without that label? Without the picky eater label. That's deep. Oh, we can, we can go, we can have another podcast about that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> who would you be without, you know, a history of addiction? Could you be anything you want in this moment? Right. Are you, you are actually free for that, yeah? Right, exactly. No, that's very true. And, and yeah. I'm definitely a different person from the addiction to who I am. I'm still discovering that person, so 
you know. And was this the journey that you took um, for when you were going through this? Um, as far as when after you after you know you were sick and all that stuff, um, w- was that the journey you took? These steps, or did you develop this afterwards? Kind of trial and error. How how'd that go? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a journey, right? So no one's perfect and I'm a constant work in progress is how I like to put it. But I, what I've learned is that when people have a superiority complex, like I already know what I need to do, mm. we neglect to really take care of ourselves or stay connected to what's important. And so I would say that progress looks different for everyone. And for me, you know, there might've been a time when I got to Bloomingdale's, I'm not even sure how I ended up at Bloomingdale's, but then I looked around and realized there isn't anything in here that I need. I already have everything I need inside of me to get through this moment. Right. And again, maybe I got to a website and I got to the checkout section, but then I didn't, you know, buy anything. So progress looks different. But at this point, what I think is amazing, my mom was sick a couple months ago. And again, I have this health trigger. Um, and there wasn't like even a temptation that I needed something to buy, that something was going to solve this problem. Right. And so again, progress looks different for everyone. At this point in my journey, I don't even think about buying something to help me survive this moment because I already know that I am strong enough and that I have survived every moment that I've been in. I might not like every moment, but those moments pass and I've learned that. Mm. And, you know, we make all choices from either a place of trust or fear. That's so fear, true. like, you know, in, in Enzo's case, like maybe he's afraid that people are going to pay attention to him. And what if he doesn't like the food taste? Yeah, that's or- crazy that she's saying that because that's one of my biggest things that I always be like trying something new as, a, as an adult has me always like, I don't want to try something new because I don't want somebody to look at me and like, bro, really? You don't you don't like that? Or or, or being like put on the spot for something that may, I mean, might not like it. You know what I'm saying? Like and and because like like right now, everybody I'm, I'm 31 Everybody's like sushi and I'm married and everything. And I still have yet to take my wife to eat sushi. But it's like everybody is stunned when they hear me say that. And I'm just like raw food. Nah, I'm not. And then everybody's like, no, it's not all raw. Like, you you know, they started trying to break it down and make me feel comfortable with trying that. But I'm like, I'm traumatized by chow mein and anything Chinese food related. I'm like, nah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, so it's crazy that, you know, like, hey man, it's going to be- I've a- never had sushi in my whole life. Okay, I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah, I've never had it. It's not for me. I'm never going to, never going to want it. But I'm also not afraid to worry what other people think mm, of me. Right. Food, right. And everybody's so interested in what I'm eating and what I'm ordering, what's in my shopping cart. And like, I eat what I love and I don't care what anyone else thinks or feels about the food I love. And and what is one of the, what is some of the other testimonials that you've had from like aside from the like the first one that you had that was 30 pounds and then how did she deal with that that she was like how did she get overcome? Did she have did, did she ever overcome that? <laughs> I failed her. I wasn't prepared for her in my life. Okay. I was you know not at all ready for her. But she was such an important part of my journey. I needed to learn so much at that point. It made you realize that you needed to be better equipped in order to deal with any future clients that you might have. That's yeah. so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I see dietitians or nutritionists and they talk about, you know, jumping in and going to work. And I'm like, you should just be very careful because you're really, you, again, like if you look at diet culture, you don't want to affect anyone. Mm. And like, look at Enzo. Now I'm just. Yeah, no, but, no, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm here. I'm here. Well, it's one of the worst things in the world, whether it's, you know, like, for instance, my 15-year-old during COVID, she said, you know, I'm going to be a vegetarian. 
every red flag in my mind went off. Like this is like terrifying. It's a trend. It's just what everybody's doing. She doesn't understand it yet. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. not, not going to no. that was a no hard. No. And so the, the thing I said to her was Sophia, you don't actually have to label. You can have a vegetarian meal, but you don't have to be a vegetarian. And if you call yourself a vegetarian, people are going to be really shocked when you eat steak. Mm. And so don't, you don't have to have steak, but you also don't have to tell people the way that you're eating. Right. No, it's nobody's business. Yeah. It's like when you, they put it on their bio, you know, on their IG right. and it says, you know, vegan, vegetarian. It's like, it's already a label and everybody assumes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then like, it's like, who, I have to, I, you're like, now I'm meeting your expectations. I don't get to change. Mm, that's so powerful. Cause I feel like in that sense, it's, it feels like we are all putting ourselves in a box in some shape, way, yes. or form. Yeah, instead we don't of, allow ourselves to be that mysterious person. Or instead or of being be like water, like, you know, where we can fill a void and it's in that moment. Adaptability. Like, exactly, yeah. you know, but that's... It's that's, like an ego-based thinking, right? Like we all have labels. I'm a mom, sister, dietitian, daughter, whatever I am. Those are your expectations of me, but like... Uh, my authentic soul self is I get to be anything I want in this moment. I'm still a good person. I'm going to treat everyone with kindness and respect, but don't tell me how I need to be in this moment or how to eat. I feel like that happened with like the, the vegan culture. Sometimes I felt like people, it almost felt like they were shunning you if you still eat meat. And, 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 and that's why some people got turned off by it because, um, but then like our last week's guest, he was so humble about it that I didn't feel that from him. You know what I'm saying? That we're, but I have felt other people that, what you're eating that again? Like, you know what that does to you? And I'm just like, well, this is what I, what is what I eat? Like, you know, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? Or when yeah. I, w- I was younger, they try to force you with the videos and they, they put you the videos and they're like, look what's happening and, and right. watch all these videos. And you're like, and that traumatizes yeah. us. <laughs> um, but bo- going back to dieting um, that you brought up, I just want to know, like, what's the difference between, you know, when you talk about diet and then um, uh, you call it food freedom? What What is it that you're trying to get at, you know, and making that distinction? Yeah, that's that's a that's a good question. Uh, why don't you guys define diet for me? I mean, usually the way that I've heard it, restrictions. Every, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not. If you look up the definition, it's actually lifestyle. It's the way that a person eats, and so the word diet is not a bad word. Mm-hmm. And like, we could do a whole podcast on the way people feel about the word. Yeah. Right. It's not a bad word. It's like my lifestyle versus your lifestyle. And food freedom is, why should you worry about what anyone else is saying or thinking, right? Normal eating is eating when you're hungry, stopping when you had enough and trusting that there will be more. It's like this morning you woke up and you did not think, oh my God, I'm going to have to pee six times today. Where am I going to find those toilets? No, you left the house fully feeling safe and trusting that it would happen. It might get uncomfortable, But then it happens, the time passes, and you totally forget that you were uncomfortable. But when it comes to food, people totally are like, I'm going out for dinner next Thursday, and I'm like afraid I'm going to overeat. What? You don't even know if you're going to be hungry in that meal. You don't even know, like, that meal might even change. Mm -hmm. Why don't we trust hunger the same way that we trust our bladders? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to pee again. I'm going to have to eat again. I had 21 meals this week. I had 10,900 meals last year. I can't remember any of them. Yeah. Because it's like something that you do. It's like breathing. You do it subconsciously. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, because that is 100%. Like you don't tell your body to, to think, to, you know, breathe, to digest. 
And our, our mind produces 60,000 thoughts just to keep us safe. And so sometimes people use, you know, like if I were to think shopping is a good idea or food is a good idea, that's my mind remembering that the last time I felt discomfort in my chest, I ate and it totally relieved me of the stress I was feeling. That's so powerful. Yeah. All right. So you're yeah, not but, you're you're not against the word. You're just trying to think of it a more trying to healthy, educate a more healthy way a person can think about it. Because sometimes there's a lot of negative connotation attached to the word dieting. Correct. That's it. Why does there have to be? And like even the word healthy. Like if we look at the rule number two, it says eat what you love, mm-hmm. and there's no like healthy or unhealthy, right? Or should or shouldn't. What would people eat? I mean, I just have a client who recently lost 12 pounds eating pastries for the last three weeks. There are such things as cookie diets, right? You could just eat shake. It doesn't matter what you eat as long as you're consistent, eating only as much as your body needs and trusting your body. Yeah. Everybody is different. You know, everybody's going to eat. Every body is different, but every body is the same. And the the reality is study done where um, I think it was like, this is probably going back 25 years ago, but almost like a thousand prisoners in solitary confinement. They were allowed 30 minutes of physical activity every single day. And they increased their calories for one year by 500 calories a day for one year. And at the end of the year, only three out of a thousand prisoners gained weight because what they found is that if you are consistent, your body gives up what you don't need. So if you overeat on Monday, undereat on Tuesday, overeat on Wednesday, overeat on Thursday, your body's so inconsistent that it thinks it needs to store everything. Mm. But if you can get it to trust you and you eat every two and a half, three hours, your body gives up what you don't need. Interesting. So I got a couple of things from that. Number one, they're experimenting on prisoners. Number two, (laughs) (laughs) number two, um, I heard consistency and and what you eat is more as long as you're consistent. Um, There's this very famous uh, documentary that came out probably, I want to say 10 years ago now. It's called Super Size Me, where this guy eats... Oh my God. No? Sorry, what would you say? Sorry. 20 years ago, I think. Yeah, Pro- probably. yeah it was. It was 20 years ago. Uh, so, so, um, We're getting old, yeah, so the whole thing for our audience, the this guy eats McDonald's all three meals for 30 days straight. Yeah. Right yep. here. Yep. And that then is like at the end, he sees like, you know, what happens to his body and all that stuff. So um, I think some, like, some certain things are going on in his body that he had to take care of. But... When we're talking about consistency, do you even mean it to that level where it's like junk food consistency or is it where, you know, you need to be consistently healthier, if that makes sense? I know we're kind of not trying to go with that taboo, but. Uh. No, no, it is. It is both ways. But I think we have to go back to supersize me for one second. Just so you know, he was a vegan and he was wow. a runner and he decided to adopt the American lifestyle, which was 3000 steps. And he did what every American did at McDonald's. And McDonald's, if they asked him to supersize, he would. Mm-hmm. So he was inconsistent. So he was eating, maybe supersizing breakfast, maybe under, not supersizing lunch, supersizing dinner, right? Every day of the week, different. Okay. So he went from vegan to sedentary lifestyle, supersizing the majority of his meals. Totally inconsistent. Mm, okay. Right? Stored. And then he ended up with high, high cholesterol because we can change our health patterns and our life in two or three days. Food takes three days to process. So if we overeat on Sunday, like if you ever were going to weigh yourself, Monday is the worst day to do it because people tend to have saltier foods on over the weekend. 
and weigh more on Monday. So the best day of the week, if you were going to weigh yourself would be Thursday because it takes three days to process, but back to the consistency. So let's say you eat a diet that's like all chips and trans fats and high cholesterol. You can expect to see, you know, your health, all of your blood tests resembling that. If you eat plant-based, you can imagine that you wouldn't have high cholesterol because there's no, there's no saturated fat, right? So I think if you're asking, does your diet control the way you're going to feel? Yeah, it does. But I don't know if that was the question. Was that the question? No, I mean, I was just relating the consistency to that because, you know, my head is like he's consistently eating McDonald's every day, all day. That's me, though. So my whole thing was, is that consistent? But now I understand the consistency you're talking about. The consistency is on the meal He switches lifestyle completely from being vegan and a runner to just... You know, McDonald's yeah. all day, every day. And then it was also supersized, not supersized. So uh, I, now I, I get the breakdown of what consistency you mean. So, you know, yeah. I was, I, for me, like, just put on my plate, I was, I had abandoned, like, rice for a while. And it was just protein and, and vegetables for the longest. And I, and I got used to it at some point. And I've gone away from it. But I can see what you mean. When it was consistently just going on for a month, I felt really good. And now that I'm not doing that, I don't know if it's because of that I feel sluggish about things. But um, it's just very interesting that you talk about that consistency. And, um, yeah, but tell me the sluggish. The sluggish. Um, it's the morning. It's, it's the getting out of bed and, and getting getting started, if I will. Yeah, so talk to me about sleep. Uh, Do you fall asleep? Slow sleep what? Sorry? Do you fall asleep easily? Yeah. Yeah, pretty easily. Can you, you stay asleep? Um, I get that 4 a.m. wake up, if you know what I mean. That everybody wakes yeah, up at 4 a.m. That's like yeah. every day for me consistently, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so a couple of things. If we just stick to that word consistent, your body wants to go to sleep at the same time every night and it wants to wake up at the same time every night. So it's basically sleep is a habit, mm. which is interesting. If you're getting a 4 a.m. spike or you're waking up and you're fully alert, ready for your day, you definitely need to take some... Um, some vitamins that are going to help with adrenal support because your stress hormone is high, which either you're drinking too much coffee or you're a little stressed out and you need to relax your nervous system. So I, drink I would definitely- no coffee. What? I don't drink any coffee. Okay. What about tea or any, anything with caffeine? Uh, Starbucks every now and then, but not like consistently every day, you know? Yeah. How's your stress level right now? Uh, be de- honest, be declining, honest. but it was at a pretty high level. I'll be totally honest with you. Yeah. So I would remember that like your subconscious is always listening and taking notes. So if you say you're a bad sleeper, then it's just going to conspire to make that happen. So I would, when you're about to go to sleep, put your sleeping mind on, right? Like, okay, I don't need to be worrying about the world problems right now. I need to be getting a good night's sleep. So sleeping mind on, I'm going to, and then tell yourself you're a good sleeper. And then um, I would also like practice maybe or talk to a, your doctor and get a blood test and just see if your cortisol levels are high because you definitely need to get those numbers down. And which, so I'm glad that your stress is going down, but you probably need a little support. Which level was and that you said? Cortisol. So cortisol. It's your morning hormone. It's the one that wakes you up, tells you it's ready for the day to start, and yours is spiking at 4 a.m. Mm. So I have a question. Just a quick trick to help you in the morning is the second you get out of bed, even though you're tired and sluggish, do a five minute hit class, just quick little jumping jacks. And this, and it basically tells your body, this is the time to wake up. Mm. 
And then because, and if you're still not sleeping through the night, don't do a hardcore workout, do more like a yoga Pilates, low impact until you get your circadian rhythms back to normal. Interesting. That's going to help out. I can see why that might be, might be affecting it, but thank you very much. Um, something I did see on your website though, is, and we're talking about it, how this, it shouldn't be a stress, uh, the relationship with food and whatnot. Sorry, my dog is snoring. Oh no, I didn't hear that. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think that that's a very important thing because, um, I think that it's a, it's not only a stress, but a pressure of what to eat. Sometimes, you know, you have, you have a short time for lunch, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you didn't pack anything, which is most likely going to be a healthier option, if you pack something from home, um, you're pressured with all these options. And especially when keeping it consistent, uh, what would you say would be your advice with that? With, with managing the stress and the pressure of what to eat for lunch, you know? when you have a short amount of time, because I think that's also a big thing we're talking about, you know, the mental state and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to just talk about hunger real quick and, you know, hunger is a very good sign. It means your body is functioning and go back to like having to pee. If you didn't have to pee, you'd probably call the doctor. Right. And so hunger is also a sign that your body is working properly. And knowing that we get hungry as a way to fuel our bodies is important. We want to be hungry five times a day, pretty much. And knowing this means that you need to plan for food. So no matter what your day looks like, you either need to have something in your car or you need to Postmates or Instacart. I don't care how you get it delivered, but, or you make food, but you have to have food, right? We get hungry. So we have to plan some way that we're taken care of in that day. You wouldn't send a kid to school without lunch, but you know, you would definitely head out of the, you know, for your day without food. And that makes no sense to me. So, um, a a good way to take care of your body and to be consistent is to make sure that you have a plan and truly your body doesn't know what you're eating. It doesn't. And so it doesn't know you're eating McDonald's. And if McDonald's isn't making you sick, good for you right? McDonald's might make me sick. I mean, blueberries give me diarrhea. I know it's totally too much information for you, but like what's healthy to someone else is not healthy to me. Enzo would ask you what color it is, but um, no, we're not going to ask that. Yeah, I'm just, honestly, I asked that. I did that last week because like he's a vegan and, and like, but to be honest, like my question was another question I had about it because this is very informative. I don't know if you guys are getting a lot out of this. I am. But I'm getting so much value out of this. Thank you, Kim, for being on us and, and like, you're a godsend. Because now my next my- question is, what do you correlate anger to food? Mm. Again, are we talking about you? Yeah. Because I, I feel like, like, I just been, like, my wife's been telling me, like, and I've been very... I've been very open to her criticism as of late, especially now that I'm getting sober and stuff. And, you know, like, just because also her opinion matters a lot to me. So if she's saying, like, you're being snappy or you have a temperament or, you you know, it's like, I don't take it, like, personal as much as anymore. I look at it like, okay, I need to work on this. And then last time she was like, we need to stop eating as much red meat because maybe that's why you're always getting snappy or you get angry, you know? And I'm like, is that really real? Or because I I try to eat chicken too, but it's like, she's like, she's like, nah, we eat a lot of like tacos and then we eat the steak the next day. And she's like, maybe that's why you don't. And I'm like, I have to only wonder now that you're here, like is, is anger and what you eat correlated also? 
There was that movie a long time ago called Chocolat. You guys are probably all too long, uh, too young for it. But um, what happened was the chef um, was falling in love. And as she was falling in love, all of those emotions started going into the food. And the next thing you know, like the entire city is like displaying this like mood. And then they break up. And then all of a sudden her mood changes. And now all you see are the people starting to feel anger and um, pain. So what's interesting is that, you know, you could go to the, your favorite restaurant, get the same meal and it could taste different, maybe because of the mood the chef is in. So yes, there is that, but also I am curious about um, your reaction time. And if you're very good at learning how to remain unaffected by the moment no, you're I'm, in. I'm, I'm very, uh, my dad always tells me, well, my family's always told me I'm very um, impulsive when it comes to like, like I just snap sometimes. And I'm now that like, like, for like the before I was when I was like on the addiction and even before that I was like that's me you gotta accept it like that's just who I am right that's but, me in shopping leave me alone right like you know whoever is gonna marry I would always tell my mom whoever is gonna marry me is gonna deal with that side of me like whatever right but now that I'm in married and not you know I'm like okay I can't be this person and then my, now I have two I have, I'm about to have my third child too so I one day I heard my son say, why is that? Is that mad? Why is that always mad? Or, or, you know, and I was like, that was like a huge red flag that I'm like, like you just said, those first seven years. And I'm like, yes. I cannot have my son thinking that I'm like a grumpy old dad. <laughs> like, that's not what I'm trying to like portray because I feel like I'm a happy dude, but it's like there's little irritants. So I'm like wondering if he like, has easy triggers is what he's yeah, trying to say. But I'm like, that, so how does yeah. he change that? <laughs> I, he has hot buttons all over the place. So, um, First, recognize them and then start laughing at yourself and start learning how to remain unaffected, right? Like what I do with my clients is I work on the space between the thought to eat and the action to eat. So it would be the same thing. I'd be like, you'd be working on the space between the thought to react and then the overreaction. And so what you really need to be doing is practicing meditation Mm. and deep breathing. And like I would, you know, when you take a deep breath, I'm just going to walk you through it because a lot of people don't know how to do it right. Let's do it. You put your hand on your chest and your other hand on your stomach. And when you take a deep breath, it's almost like you're breathing so much in that your stomach expands. Okay. okay. So you just want to make sure that your shoulders don't lift and that your chest doesn't go out. So, and like, so, so that breathe in kind for of your diaphragm. deep breath. When, I'm sorry. I missed so, you. So breathe, in, breathe in from your diaphragm. like Breathing from your diaphragm. Gotcha. And then practicing this, that actually relaxes your nervous system. Mm. So, and that's what you need. So you need to be practicing deep breaths. Like people who like cigarettes probably really love the deep breath. They go out, they relax because <laughs> they've just taken 10 deep breaths. That's me. Yeah. That's me. I mean, yeah. I, I, I literally have to smoke a little bit of weed sometimes. Like my wife would be like, go smoke because you're... And and last time I was I was talking to John Sally and he was telling me like, that's why you like smoking so much because yeah. that relaxes you. And I'm like, one day I was like thinking and I was like, it's so true. It's not even the action of smoking. So maybe I need... Because I've been wanting to cut that down too, but maybe yeah. I need to start meditating and just figuring out those... So you need some aromatherapy. You need to keep it in your pocket oh, and you snap. need to pull it out as often as possible and just inhale like slow, deep breaths to relax your nervous system. And then there's like a couple other things you can do. You can gargle with water. You can hum. And also, um, you know, the word om they use in yoga when you say it, like say it now, but carry it for a long time. And then I oh, want you to the feel f- the vibration the frequency. Yeah, right, right. Um, 
So say, um, I can't, I, I lost audio for a second. Um, right, right, right. I feel that. No, no, the okay. frequency, yeah. Yeah, so that actually relaxes your whole nervous system. Our nervous system is the only system in our body we can control. And basically, it's through the vagus nerve, and that runs from your stomach to your mind. And basically, your stomach gives your mind 80% of its information. So I would probably work on taking some vitamins to make sure you're not having any deficiencies from the type of diet that you have. Sure. I wouldn't, I would also look at the triggers you feel around food and start breathing into it. And also like, let yourself be uncomfortable. Like what would be the worst thing that happens if you're uncomfortable around food? Right. Right. Nothing. Now it's funny. No, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> Since we're on this topic, this brings up our, our next question, which was, you know, how does food affect your mental health? Yeah. Um, if you I can mean, elaborate, that's, that's I know a, that you've already kind of addressed it with Enzo, no, but, but if you can uh, elaborate it more in a broader sense for us, we would appreciate it. I would love that. Yeah. I think people overthink about food. Um, I think it causes people just to spiral and feel hopeless. So when there's just so many opportunities, I mean, I don't even know where to go with that question. Is there a relationship? Yeah, there is a relationship. And does there have to be? No. I don't know if that answered your question, but I just feel like people should stop worrying what other people think, focus on themselves, learn how to pay attention to their hunger, right? Because if you're not getting hungry and you're eating, you're storing whatever you're eating is fat. And that could be strawberries or it could be ice cream. Your body doesn't know. And so if you're not hungry, whatever you're eating gets stored as fat. It's so, like those people that in the office like eat snacks just to eat snacks because they're stressing out. That's kind of yes. what you're referring to, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so like... In my opinion, as a registered dietitian with a degree in human metabolism and clinical nutrition, I want to make everybody healthy, right? Which means they have long-term health. They live long lives that are high quality, that they don't have disease. The disease that they have later in life are all diet dependent, cholesterol, diabetes, uh, high triglycerides, and blood pressure, right? We're talking heart disease, stroke and diabetes, all diet dependent. And so if you were to think about eating only when you're hungry, and then you allow yourself only to eat enough to get hungry again in two and a half to three hours, which is what a normal person should do, right? I'm going to have breakfast. I'm going to need a snack. I'm going to have lunch. I'm going to need a snack and I'm going to have dinner, right? I'm going to eat five times today. And if I have enough food that's going to hold me over and fuel my body and allow me to be hungry in three hours. I'm basically now controlling my blood sugars. And by doing that, I'm reducing my risk of every single disease by 30%. So are we still talking about mental health? Uh, <laughs> incredible. I just want everyone to be healthy. Right. And, and question, what about like, Somebody like I, I've fluctuated in weight. Like when I was in high school, my my highest was one thirty five, one thirty seven, and then I just got weighed. At the, I had a physical, so I'm waiting on my my blood results too. So I'm I'm very interested in to see those levels and what we're talking about. Yeah. Right yeah. Now. yeah. So and then the question is, how do you like maintain a health? Or is there such thing as a healthy weight 
for or because like I'm like once they, they said 117 and I'm like dang I want to gain like at least get to 130 but I have some muscle and I'm like I can't gain weight and my wife I'm 5'5 five, five. I didn't hear you 5'5 five, 5'5 five? Five, five, yeah okay so you really should be um like 135 plus or minus 10% so you can be anywhere between I can't do the math 120 and 145 150 would be an ideal weight um, I care less about the number on the scales. I care more about the body fat percentage. Mm. And so, I mean, you probably have a lean body fat. Like Kobe Bryant, his heyday was 3%. Oh. Men should typically be under 18%. Yeah. I, you have a question. Like, I see you. I'm, I'm, I'm probably, I mean... What do you think, Marisio? I think I'm. <laughs> Bro, I don't. I don't see no. I don't. I don't, no, no I don't body see no my bones. My bones. <laughs> my, my girl. My girl says like to be TMI. She's like your butt's the only jiggly part. <laughs> 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 so I guess that's the only part I got the meat on. You know what I'm saying? Like everything I mean, is bones. Yeah, right. I'm just very skinny, but like I trip out because when I was in high school and I was on the basketball team and I was like active, working out and all that. It was like, like, like I said, I remember the last time that I was like proud of myself because my best friend was like, I'm 150 something and I'm like trying to get to 140 and I'm like 137 is the most I got. And then straight after high school, it like started just cutting hair and I started eating like crap. And I'm like, I guess it's because I eat a lot. I eat a lot of junk food. I'm going to be honest with you guys. And, And like now that I have kids, I'm like, I'm trying to get away from that because I have kids. But yeah. Um, yeah. And then also you lost. 15 pounds of muscle. You went from basketball to haircutting. Right. And um, I, I would definitely work on building that back up. And, and that's just basically working out. Lifting weights would build the muscle. It's not even about eating at that point, right? No, but what might be interesting for you is it will make you hungrier. Oh. And then you're going to have to deal with like you being triggered by food, which is a good thing for you to deal with. It'd be nice for you to get uncomfortable and see like this is actually no big deal. I'm not who I used to be. Right. Yeah, because like my my meal, like I have this weird thing that sometimes spoils my dinner. I'll come home and I have to have like some sweets. So I have like a glass of chocolate milk and some chocolate cookies or some like. And my wife would be like, "Why do you do that to yourself?" Then when it's time for dinner, you don't want to eat. And then I don't know why I do that to myself, but that's like a like after a long day of cutting hair, like I want to eat. I'm looking forward to that glass of milk with with, with don't Hostess donuts. And like, and I think that that's also leads us to our other question too of of listening to our body. I think so. What would you say about that? I mean, is Enzo listening to his body, or is he just being impulsive? <laughs> uh, I think two things are happening. I think uh, he's got this entitlement thing. Like, I had a hard day. I want something sweet right now. And also, he's got a sugar addiction. I do. So, um, you know. I think that if you really wanted to gain weight, you got to eat when you're not hungry. Unfortunately, that's the way it works because you have to like train your body to get hungrier. And so you're going to have to get again, uncomfortable. And I don't know if you like to be uncomfortable. Oh. It's not really super uncomfortable, but our bodies always are looking for the more pleasurable way around discomfort. I feel like I've built my life around trying to, facilitate not being uncomfortable like I've, I've i've built it to where it's like i'm gonna I, like i'm gonna do what i want to do on my terms but now like just being older and i just want to get a physical and i spoke to my doctor and she likes where my headspace is at especially after my addiction and everything and i'm, I'm like i said it, it's just like the stars aligning that you're on our podcast today and now i get to ask questions that she couldn't answer because she's not a nutritionist but um 
So I just need to work out then, bet. <laughs> um, but when it comes to listening to your body, I know a lot of people struggle with this too, is um, getting hungry right, before, right when you're trying to go to sleep or right when you're Oof. in that. in that. And, and I've also heard that that's really bad because um, the way your body digests food and whatnot, you need to give it four hours or something like that before you sleep. Um, but you're the you're the you're the um, expert here, so let us know what what do you think is the problem there when people are getting hungry right before they're going to sleep? Um, that's interesting. It's a that's a that's an interesting question because hunger is not a scary feeling. It's not painful, and it's usually hungry. just your stomach telling you it's you know it's time to eat, right? Um, but people say they get starving before bed. And I think this is more a habit, a bad habit, right? And so are they really hungry or did they smoke weed and now they have munchies or they are used to eating something and our body is habitual, remember? So if you ate last night, it likes to get the same amount of food in weight that you had yesterday. And so Mm. you kind of have to do this mental ping pong with yourself and say, I'm not hungry enough that it's going to keep me up. I'm going to let myself go to sleep and I'll be hungry for breakfast. There are nights when you're too hungry and you can't go to sleep. But again, back to Enzo, like people don't like to be uncomfortable. And so there becomes this fearful moment of like, I'm not going to be able to sleep if I'm hungry. But the hunger is probably not super real. Sometimes it is, but you are not hungry every night before bed. No way. I just drink some water, man. And so I would just say to yourself, I'm going to bed. What what about... What about um, waking up like at four in the morning, like my brother does sometimes, and just wanting like thirst for a Coke? That happens to me a lot. I am like, you're sugar addict. We really established that. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. Is that, it's just yeah. my body's like, oh, feeding for yeah. like sugar. All right. All right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Bet. I mean, usually yeah. when I'm feeling like that, like the hunger before sleeping, I just drink water. I'm like, water will calm me down, you know, like it just needs water. And usually that makes it go away. You know, it's not yeah. really that you're hungry. It's just, you know, you're thirsty. You're That's what that, I've, I've heard about that too. Yeah. Is that we confuse our hunger for thirst. Is that something true? Uh, you yeah. Say? It, or, I mean, if you look at rule number three, it says eat without distractions, right? And so people eat because food is in front of them because of emotional reasons and for hunger. And so if you're talking about late night eating, most people are bored. And so that, again, is discomfort. And so your mind says the last time you felt this way, you ate while you were watching TV and you didn't feel this bad. And so you have to kind of remember, put space between the thought to eat and the action to eat and really scan your body and see what you're feeling. Can you be okay to be bored and not eat, right? So don't eat while you're distracted, period. Like oh. that's number that's like the you know a really hard rule for people to do. When you and talk when about you go- distractions, sorry to interrupt you. When you talk about distractions, you mean also the people that like maybe they watch TV while they eat, like say they're having lunch and they're watching TV. You you would think of that as as a like not a good habit to have. It's a terrible habit. Like I'm a super mindful person and mm-hmm. like let's just define mindful, right? Okay means that I am aware that my mind has left my body. Maybe some hot button of mine has been triggered and I, my mind is now thinking about a conversation I had yesterday. And so I have the ability to bring my mind back to this moment, right? I can find my mind. I know what time zone my mind is in at all times. Sometimes, you know, it goes on a conversation I had three days ago. And then I say to myself, what time zone is my body in? And I recognize it's here, but my mind is over there and I bring it back. So if I am eating, I'm also fully aware of what my mind is doing. 
and I know when I've had enough food. So if we go back to rule number one, it says eat when you're hungry. There were two other parts that I didn't say, and that was start with your normal portion and cut it in half and wait 15 minutes to see if you need more. Because the truth is we overeat. It takes 15 minutes for our stomach to tell us, tell our brain we've had enough food. I could overeat all of my food in three minutes when I'm really hungry, still giving me a good 11 minutes before my brain says you've had enough. If I were to cut my food in half and wait 15 minutes, really, I'm not going to need more food because I'm going to have be nourished and I know I'm going to eat again in two and a half, three hours. Is that the reason right? also too? Because this has happened to me too, like where like you eat a big portion and then in a few, like, you know how you're saying 15 minutes later on, you feel like, oh man, I really overate. Like uh-huh. yeah. that was too yeah. much. Like, right. Know. I mean, let me put it this way. I have six rules. If you follow all six rules at 90%, the average client loses between three and five pounds a week. If you follow the rules at 80%, they lose between a half a pound and a pound and a half a week. If they follow all six rules at 70%, they're staying the same weight. And at 60%, they're gaining weight. And so by only eating when you're hungry, allowing yourself to get hungry in your stomach, Starting with half and waiting 15 minutes, there is a built-in fail-safe that you will not overeat. I had a client who was in this class, it's called advisory in her private school, and every single day the instructor brought donut holes. And she was the kind of person who popped a donut hole in her mouth. Mm-hmm. And when I thought about it, I'm the kind of person who takes like two or three bites of a donut hole. So by the time I'm done with one, she's eaten three. If we can slow down then our mind tells us we've had enough. And if we're mindful, we know where our mind is, which Enzo gets triggered. So I'm not sure his mind is in his body when he's eating because he just wants the fuel and doesn't want to be in the moment, right? But if we can be in the moment and find our mind, we're going to know that we've had enough food and that we're nourished. Interesting. Um, Also, this uh, one thing that happens to a lot of us, I feel, and I don't know if it's just us being tired throughout the day, but it happens to me a lot, especially after lunch, is... The uh, the infamous food coma. Yeah, you're sluggish a lot. We're going to work on this. But you're making poor choices because you're tired. So we're going to work on your sleep for sure. But the second thing you're going to do for me is a food sensitivity test. Okay. And you can put this on Amazon. So I don't know where you're going to put this, but you can link it somewhere. Um, it's a very good test. Okay. And what this tells us is it's specific to you and what foods you're sensitive to. And you might have like your lunches like whatever you're eating. And so it's causing fatigue. And so you might need to find new foods you love I temporarily. That. I got it. Cause I, I'm, I'm a big chicken eater. So anytime I eat some chicken, yeah. it puts me to sleep. To be honest, not to sleep, yeah, I but would, I feel sluggish for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like a whole slew of digestive um, issues and fatigue and sluggishness is one of them. So I would avoid the foods, you know, make you tired for a little while and then work on healing your gut by adding some whole grains, some flax seeds, some chia seeds, you know, yeah, that, you that also has, happens to me, yeah. but that happens when I eat. Um, it's usually a plate of steak with potatoes and rice, and I already know that when I when I have that for lunch that I've you know prepared that I know like this is gonna put me in like a little like mind a little coma, you know. For okay, so what you're gonna try is you're gonna try eating half of that mm-hmm. and see if it still makes you feel that way. If it does, then one of those foods are something that you're sensitive to, and you have to cut them out for a short while. Understood. So then you're going to play around with just the steak, then just the potatoes, and then just the rice. Mm. So play us through this food sensitivity um, thing. What happens when, what does that test kind of reveal and how does, what's the process of it? 
Well, like I said, I like I had no idea why I would get stomach aches. And then all of a sudden blueberries was on my list. And I was like, oh, makes so much sense. Right. So what you do is you prick your finger and then you do these little five droplets and then you send this test back to, you know, whatever warehouse it comes from. And then five days later, you get a specific list only for you. And some people might have two foods. Some people might have 50 foods. You know, it's a test of 96 different foods. Um, in order to really understand, I'm going to run through the list of symptoms that it gives you. Okay. Okay. Headache fatigue, tearing eyes, runny nose, clearing your throat, burping, heartburn, nausea, bloating, diarrhea, gas, constipation. It's smelly gas, not air gas, uh, rashes, and joint pain. Any of those are food sensitivities. And that means that you've in, you've had a history of um, stress or antibiotic use or somehow did some damage to the mucosal layer of your stomach lining and you just need to rebuild it and remove some of those foods that are causing a inflammatory response for a short while. Interesting. Okay. So and I have a question for you, Kim, when it comes to uh, vitamins, which ones do you recommend? Like they're most ooh, for, for Enzo, for Enzo, for all of us, for, en- <laughs> for my type of person. Okay. We're going to go. I'm the Guinea pig. No, I'm just kidding. Not because I was going to ask that question, but I don't, so I, I appreciate you asking that question. Yeah. Cause I struggle. I mean, I don't know your full time. I'm going to go with minerals. Oh, I'm going to DM you and we're going to get this uh, thing. Because okay. I have a, my, my wife's also pregnant and she's expecting in August. So um, we've been talking about, like, she wants, she says, this is my last baby. I'm going to tie my tubes. And she's like, I want to snap back. And I'm like, whoa, if you follow these six rules, we'll yeah. lose some weight in the weeks. So let's do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm definitely being in contact with you. So you said okay, um, minerals were the first one, right? Talking about Enzo, I would do some minerals because oh. if his diet is, let's say, mostly McDonald's and he, a I'm lot, not, I, I'm going to put air quotes around the word picky because I think you can change. Um, I know you can, but if in the past Speak you were restricted, yeah. then you definitely need minerals. You probably need some vitamins. Um, I like that you're drinking milk because then you're getting calcium and some vitamin D. I would also definitely encourage you to go for walks outside. Um, I think he just needs vitamins and minerals. I think, you know, all of you guys need different ones. I mean, for sleep, you need magnesium, coenzyme Q10, and B12 because we need to work on your nervous system. So maybe something with your adrenals. What was that? Middle um, one? Magnesium, and then you said another one? Uh, coenzyme Q10. Okay. And then and B12. And B-complex. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, they're all, I would, I probably wouldn't recommend the same ones for everyone. And again, these would not be forever. These would just be dependent on what symptoms you're feeling in this moment and what you need. But like in Enzo's case, if he's talking about anger and stress, it could be, you know, his body is working overtime because he has some nutrient deficiencies. So folic acid, iron, you know, definitely some other things. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. But, you know, water, we didn't really talk about water and we should because it is the way that our body naturally detoxes. It works on every single organ. Oh. And actually, if you don't drink enough water, you tend to gain an extra seven pounds in your lifetime mm. because it makes your it, your liver ends up having to do, do your kidneys jobs. And so you end up storing fat and getting fatter and getting sicker. But by drinking eight cups of water, it actually fights fatigue. So 1% dehydration makes you feel like you have the flu. So drink your water. Yeah, that's one thing that I've implemented. Um, So at the beginning of this year, I decided to, you know, start getting into the gym and working out. 
Um, I started uh, weighing at 315. Right now I'm weighing uh, 294. And that's oh, one of the one of the things that I did was uh, the only thing I drink is just water now. I don't drink any sugary drinks, no soda, nothing. Um, when it comes to my eating, I'm still working that out. Um, but yeah, that's one of the things I've been doing, and I've been seeing the huge difference on just drinking just water and nothing else. All right, so I gotta ask you before before we continue that. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, I don't keep- want to interrupt. But <laughs> we, we we have a Vegas trip later on in the year, and we have a goal to get this guy to 250. So we have to yeah. adjust that at some point if water is going to help us get there too. Sorry, I just had to say that because I think you can Wait, help us get there. 50? Yeah. I, I mean, that's the goal I've set for him. <laughs> if he has a better goal, then that's cool. But uh, well, how tall are you? Uh, I am 5'10". Okay. So, uh, yeah. We'll, I mean, when's the trip? September. September. So how many months do we have? Um, uh, well, June, all Joel- of June, July, August, yeah. So you're talking, I mean, the max I would say is 30 pounds, just so you know, maybe 35, 36, um, anything else higher than that is not great for your gallbladder. Um, so you can average 10, 11 or 12 pounds a month. That's it max. And that's great. And that will already be life-changing. Um, I would stick to, I would be do my rules at 90%. I would, it will change your life. Like it will change your life. So you might, like, let's say you started tomorrow and you just started eating half of your normal portions, but you started eating every three hours. I would, you probably will lose five pounds in a week. Mm, okay. You'll have to let me know. Okay. That, yeah. from, from your rules and everything you've said, um, I think the, ma- the major one is sleep. Um, just for you? Be, yeah, for me, for me, especially. Can you fall asleep? Uh, I, I tend to not fall asleep, like, very fast. Um, but I, so like my sleeping hour, it varies my waking up hour, however, doesn't vary too much. So I usually wake up, um, around six 30 every day. Cause that's just like, I got to get to work. My body already knows that. Um, but when it comes to sleeping, yeah, like sometimes there's day I sleep at 1130. There's days I sleep at like, you know, midnight, 1am, like that varies. Yeah, you can't because you can't fall asleep or because you just want to stay awake and do things. Uh, sometimes it's because I'm, you know, uh, I'm doing something, watching something, talking to someone, you know. So yeah. What time are you going to the gym these days? Uh, usually what seven thirty. Yeah, and then we're done by like around the morning. Or- no, at night. In a, in a- oh, you've got to change it to the morning. Okay. It's, it's, um, like I said, you know, if you do that five minute hit class in the morning, it tells your body when to wake up, you're telling your body to wake up at mm. seven 30 at night mm. and then you're missing your natural sleep time. Gotcha. And yeah. And if you're not sleeping, if you're inconsistent, you'll have a harder time losing weight. Mm. And if you're tired, you're going to have a hard time making the right decisions the next day. Mm. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's very interesting. Because, yeah, we hit the gym 7.30 p.m. and then we're usually done by, like, around I've, 9, I've 9.30. Always, I've always been a, more of a... I always tell Marisa, like, I, I'd rather work out in the morning. I feel like working out in the morning gets me tired by the time I... At night, I've had the long day already after the gym yeah. and I'm pooped. 
But I can't yeah. keep that consistency in the gym. That's the only issue. I think, but it's again what we're eating, and I think we're, we're it all. It's all like you it's like all to connected, say it's all man. connected. I, you know why I like to say that because it is all connected. Uh, like subconscious. Um, but let's your bring mind, that connection you know? back though to the water, right? Because I'm sorry. I yeah, we gotta talk about that. My uh, wife's always telling me to drink more water, and I never drink enough water. I mean, I try, but these rules are very. They seem simple to follow. To be honest, it's simple. <laughs> yeah, they're layered with all of our emotional garbage. And like, also, you you can reinvent yourself right this moment. Remember, we get to be anything we want from here on out. I don't have to be who I was a minute ago. And, um, you know, I think like that should be a better attitude for you anyway. And also, we're not looking for perfect because we want this to be a very long journey. So we really are looking for progress. So even like rule number five or four says walk 10,000 steps. If you look on your phone under the health app, it's been tracking you this whole time. And you can kind of see, oh, wow, I'm only at 3,000. I'm only at 4,000. I really need to make sure that I'm hitting 10. That might feel very daunting. So maybe you just start with six or 6,500, but you keep adding because, again, you're looking for progress. Interesting. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And do you stick to the eight glasses a a a, a, a day theory, or or do you think it's it depends on the on the person, or what is your recommendation? No, I, I um yes, it depends on the person. I think that's a really good number to shoot for, no matter what. But if like you're in Arizona, you need like fifteen. If I drink a ton of coffee, I definitely need more like twelve. So for every 20 pounds overweight, you need two additional cups. For every one cup of coffee, you need two additional cups. So what about... So if you you're doing great. So if I... Probably- I drink a lot of soda. Does does that mean I have to drink more water then? Like, because I drink a lot yeah. of soda. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's, you know... Yeah, he's it, drinking you know, Coca-Cola right now. Like, you know, fine, but whatever, as you get older, you might notice like, oh, that caffeine is affecting my kidneys and that's affecting my blood pressure. And I don't really want to put myself at risk for a stroke. Right. And so the water detoxifies every single toxin in your body. So soda is great and delicious, but not serving the same purpose. If you look just earth or the world or our bodies, we're 70, 80% water. Yeah. So get the water in, replenish the water. You're losing it through saliva, through sweat, through urine, through feces, like drink up. Definitely. And, and plus the soda, you know, pulls out calcium from your bones and being lean already puts you at risk for, you know, problems with your bones. So make sure you're doing weightlifting and keep drinking that milk. Although all of your, your calcium stores were done by the time you were 21 and now you're just kind of maintaining them for the rest of your life. Right, you're making. You're no longer making deposits, and every time you drink soda, it leaches calcium out of your bones. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> um, so, uh, one thing that that I want to want to add is, um, or ask better said, is we always we always uh, say the eight glasses of, of of water a day. But what is what would be a better like number? Is it like a gallon of water a day when it when we're when we're equaling it to um, eight glasses at least? Order of a gallon. A gallon is 16 cups. Okay. So a half a gallon. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah, half a gallon for sure. Got it. All right, so that's going to be my For 64 ounces. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, it's that's not good. easy. None of these rules are so easy. They just sound so simple. I think they're easy. Okay, let's see. All right, let's see. <laughs> I'm going to try it. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> you, you, the reason she says that is because she knows how many clients actually stick to it. I feel like... <laughs> yeah, she says right. that. <laughs> 
eight, eight cups? Okay, how big is the eight cups? Like this cup? Just tell you, 64 ounces. I think that's oh, probably like 10. Yeah. I don't know. That could be 10 ounces right there. Okay. Maybe okay. 12. You have to let me know. He's showing like one of those red plastic cups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Beer pong. It's a beer pong cup. Yeah, so that's not enough water. <laughs> all right. Definitely. Yeah. So, uh, kind of, since you said you have clients and all that, and, and we know that you're, from what I saw in your bio, you're a celebrity dietitian as well, right? So, does that mean you're helping people out for roles in movies or things like 100%. that? Yes. All the above. Yeah. Uh, I've been in Los Angeles my whole life. So, my practice is based in Los Angeles, but I see clients all over the world, um, wherever they are. And I have a full practice. I see about 50 private clients a week. I lead groups and, um, yeah, a ton, a ton. I see, you know, yeah. So all kinds of, (laughs) how did that door open up for you? If you don't mind us asking, uh, very early in, in my career. I mean, I think just being in Los Angeles helps. And then, um, you know, I was friends with publicists early on when I was younger and their clients needed, help or agents, you know, when in LA, it's like, if I was in Washington, DC, I'd be seeing everyone in the CIA, FBI and the newspaper, but here in Los Angeles, everybody works in Hollywood. So, you know, it was, it's just normal and easy, I think. And this includes also not just, um, celebrities. We're talking about athletes too. I know there's celebrities technically, but like athletes as well and things like that. Yes. So, all, all the above. So and I'm, children. We're very big basketball um, guys here and also UFC guys. So I want to ask two things, and it has to do with weight cutting. Um, And, for example, we have a a very famous basketball player right now. His name is Zion Williamson. And his big issue is that he's, you could say, overweight. You know, for the sport he's about to play, he's extremely overweight. Takes a toll toll on the knees, and, you know, he can make him very injury prone. Um, So for someone like that that needs to lean up, or for someone like, for example, in MMA or UFC that they need to cut weight to get to their to their championship weight or whatever it is because they're walking around at a certain weight and they need to cut down at a certain weight. Like, is there a certain healthy way to do that in a certain time lapse? Or, you know, is there a way you need to get your body yeah. eased into that weight, if you will? Yeah, I mean, I am the kind of person who always believes that you should be, you know, your body should be beach ready at any time. Like there shouldn't be getting ready for a wedding or getting ready for a sports event that you should be ready at all times. Um, otherwise it creates yo-yo issues and that yo-yo is inconsistency and that increases your risks of all sorts of diseases. So, um, yeah, I mean, I know that wrestling and UFC and there is cutting, it's definitely not something that I would recommend ever. I just like people to preserve they've worked hard for wow yeah because that's hurting your body right every time you weight cut that the body the you're you're, you're traumatizing your body in a sense i, yeah, th- exactly. I think that's the biggest tool for a fighter and it's not the the fights i think it's the weight cutting you know going from let's say 170 pounds to 155 yeah. pounds in a matter of a six-week training camp or something like that yeah and we're really talking water here right and like when you think about it like i said if you're one percent dehydrated you're fatigued but I mean, I guess with UFC, you kind of have to have that, you know, that's part of like the whole sis- the system, right? Um, it's just, it's not what I would recommend. Is there, is there any, is, have you dealt with any athletes at that level or, or it's either like someone, like I said, like a, 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 some kind of athlete in a certain sport that needs to just lose weight or gain weight? Cause sometimes there's also athletes in the NBA that come in just very, like you said, Kobe Bryant was very, very skinny, but he had a bulk up muscle and things like that. Um, what's yeah. your experience with that? 
I mean, I, I think at this point in my career, I see a lot of clients who have played sports, right? And so they're dealing with um, old eating habits that no longer suit them mm. because they're not athletes in this current time in their life. And so um, I'm seeing them on the other side is, is really what I would, you know, maybe I can't think right now if I have or not, but I know that I've seen a lot of ex-NFL players, let's say, um, or sports players where they still think they can eat the way they used to. Got it. I or, see. And, and so a majority of your clients tell when it comes to athletes, you say, will they be post retirement or, or when their career is like over or is it a mixture of both? Both. Yeah. Cool. All the above. Or, you know, I mean, there's a, I work with a lot of high school athletes and college athletes um, which might feel a little different. Like maybe they want to gain weight yeah, um, or they need to gain muscle. There's some who just want to um, get into college playing a sport. So they need to gain weight because they're not big enough or tall enough or strong enough yet. And what would be the, if you will, I mean, I guess it's following the steps, right? To get to that weight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for someone like who want, who needs to gain weight and put on muscle, they're going to have to allow themselves to be uncomfortable. They're going to get, they have to eat more. And, and I have no problem with clients who need to gain weight. You know, we can do that very easily. Um, but they are force feeding themselves. Oh, wow. Damn. Wow. But it's force feeding yourself what you love, right? hundred percent what you love, so not I what eat- I love. So I could eat the hostess donuts and just, as long as it's consistent, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I would be curious if you're crashing and then right. having a soda. Like right. there was an awesome commercial by Weight Watchers years ago. It was a Super Bowl commercial, got taken off right after it went out. It was like the best commercial I've ever seen. You should look it up. It's just Google Weight Watchers Super Bowl commercial. And it shows like how sometimes you like have an upper and then you go down and then you need an upper, right? And so like when you think about those donuts and then you chase it with a soda, Right? Is this in your best interest? And if like your wife is saying you're angry, hmm, like it's the what, what's actually happening there? It's the crash. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And you might need to deal with the sugar addiction, right? And sugar, we're seduced by sugar. We we think that we need it in our mouth, like you know, and that is a pulling we have. That is withdrawals. That is not hunger. And so if you're having withdrawals and you're just having a need somewhere in your body for the sugar. I would not have it. I would see what happens if you didn't have it for four or five days and you got those withdrawals and the sugar out of your system. If you still wanted chocolate milk and, you know, donuts when you came home from work, I bet you wouldn't. So it's just about putting that mental, like... I didn't hear. I don't... I can't hear you. I'm sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, oh, it's about putting those... It's, it's, it's about putting those mental stop, like blocks. Okay, I'm not going to do this today. I'm not going to do this. And then yeah. You, it's yeah. like my wife always says, it takes 21 days to, to make a habit, right? That's, she, that's her thing. Yeah, but neuroscience, we can... So the way that works, to be honest with you, is our, we're very habitual, right? So we like to repeat the same thing we did the day before, and we sleepwalk through our day. In order for you actually to not have donuts and chocolate milk when you get home, you actually have to be awake for that moment to be able to say to yourself, I'm not going to have it. You would rather just sleepwalk because that's easier. Having to be awake for that moment is hard. And we don't like to do hard things, but we can handle hard things. We just don't allow ourselves to. Definitely, definitely. Um, But before we wrap up this podcast, I I have to, I don't know if I'm going to be spoiling this or teasing it, but um, I heard through the grapevine that you have a book coming out. 
I do. I'm so excited, but you're going to have to wait for it because it's not going to hit for another year. I mean, that makes anticipation just so much better, though. <laughs> yeah, I'll just keep teasing it out there. But it's hitting the book stands June 27, 2023. And I cannot wait awesome. to save the world. Great. And yeah. and um, will we be getting a taste of these steps just to get like, I know you're not going to tell us fully, but just like some kind of a, a deeper tease, if you will, of what this book might entail a year from now. Yeah, it's basically a how to make these really simple rules, you know, happen in your life, because although they seem easy, there's so many emotional challenges to them. Definitely. So that's where that's where you think that's why you're saying it's harder because of the emotions that are tied in. And that's why she told you. She said we'll see. Yeah, she said we'll, we'll see. see. Because I was like, I know she's had so many yeah. clients who probably yeah. quit on her. You know what? We, it's, my, my, we get in our own way. We do, we do, we do shoot ourselves in the leg sometimes. That's so true. And, and is this your first book coming out actually? This is my first book. I'm so excited. Oh, that's nice. exciting. Yeah. That's awesome. First, Congrats on that. Thank you. Took forever to write and I'm so proud of it. That's oh great. That's, that's great. That's great. Um, I'll have to, I have to say, um, I think there's some key points of when we want to get you back on this podcast for sure when that book releases. But before that, I think there's some kind of struggle that people hit and I think it has to do bigly with consistency. But um, whenever we hit the holidays, people just happen to have like just a crazy time and slip ups yeah you know all these things that they're consistently working on all all year um so maybe we can just have another podcast where you just tell us how to avoid that i would love it and i want to see how you guys are all doing and you know how you're applying the rules and uh you know remember we want to be like beach ready every day of the year so when it comes to the holidays even like it's not like that food is not around 365 days like, right. what's the deal? Right. You can't just let it go. That's very, very true. It's attachments. It's all attachments. Yeah, don't get in your own way. Thank you so much, Kim, for Thank being here. Thank you, Kim, for us. being here. We appreciate you. I really do appreciate it. I'm going to rewatch this episode myself with my wife just because it's going to be so, so many gems and jewels you dropped today. I hope a lot of people cool. get value out of this. I hope so. Let me know. I can't wait to hear. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you very you much. So much. Have a wonderful Have day. Have a good one, Kim. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our episode. We appreciate your support. Remember to follow us on Instagram at The Current Pod, where you can share our episodes, review, interact with us, talk to us about what's going on. We appreciate your feedback and everything that you guys do for us and supporting us. Have a wonderful day.